cliffcentral.com Good morning and welcome to Disrupt with Mpumintlapo on Cliff Central, brought to you by T-Systems, who are the sponsors of this platform. In the studio with me today, I've got the MD of Fujitsu, South Africa. Good morning, Hannes. How are you? Good morning, Pumi. Thank you for my having me here today. It's a privilege to be here. Thank you for joining me, Hannes. Um, before we start, just a word um, on T-Systems. T-Systems is a leading provider of digital transformation solutions, one of the largest ICT companies in the world and a leading provider of ICT solutions in South Africa. Hannes, today we're going to be talking technology and innovation coming out of Japan. Yes. Um, very exciting. Um, you sent me quite an interesting document that speaks a little bit about Fujitsu so that I can introduce it um, to, to the audience that are listening. And um, the company was founded in 1935 specifically to focus on innovation and R&D, which seems quite interesting that a company would be founded with the purpose of coming up with creative or innovative solutions, if I can put it that way. Yes, if you look at Japan, they had no uh, a choice but to come up with innovative solutions both from an education point of view, from a sustainability point of view. Small country, so the whole investment needed to be to come up with sustainable type of innovations in um, in the IT space. So I think that's why they threw a lot of their attention towards that. So it was natural for Japan to start off with that. Ah, okay, makes a lot of sense. And I'm just looking at the timeline. So the organization from 1968 established the Fujitsu Laboratories, um, relay-based mainframe, the first in Japan in 1954. Um, in 1974, LSI-based computer, the fastest in the world at the time. Um, the color plasma display you mentioned earlier, they kind of pioneered the plasma display. Yeah, A lot of inf- innovation very early on. Can you just maybe talk to me a little bit about Fujitsu, the company, how it came into being from when it was founded to today? Well, if as I said, it was an innovation company. If you look at all those inventions through the time, even the mouse pad, you know, on your laptop uh-huh. was an innovation from Fujitsu. Interesting. Obviously, the plasma they sold off to, to several other companies over the years. Okay. And year on year, they come up with these innovative type of technologies, which is one we'll speak about a bit. It's the palm vein. It's a pet subject of mine. I'm very chuffed about that innovation from Fujitsu. Okay. But yeah, they, they grew over the years uh, in Japan, becoming number one, obviously, uh, being a Japanese company, number one. And then they started broadening wings across the world, Europe, and then into America. Luckily, and they included South Africa as well, because yes. we're a little, little bit down, down in the world. Yes. Nevertheless, if, if, if you look at the innovations they had, they actually went from an R&D, R&D and, um, implemented those solutions, which gave them the business benefit in growing the, the company to be the fourth largest IT company in the world. Which is significant it's if you very think significant. Yeah, that they were founded in Japan. So just quickly around Fujitsu, as you said, 1935, it's before my time, I promise. <laughs> um, yeah, largest IT provider, number four. Um, the revenue is important because um, it's $50 billion per annum. Okay. Now, you don't create that type of revenue. There's not buying into the culture of Fujitsu, uh, the engagement, the technology, and the solutions. Absolutely. Um, what's astounding about that is that um, $2.9 billion per annum of that goes into R&D. Wow. So can you see it brings you back to where they started? 
and they're still uh, putting that amount of money into to R&D. And they've got to run about 99,000 patents out there. 99,000 patents. Patents, yes. And I, I want to latch on to something you mentioned about the culture. Um, and I read something which says that, you know, your brand philosophy, so the organization's brand philosophy says that Fujitsu is working with people and organizations around the world to shape the future of society. That's quite a bold statement, and, and it does speak to this innovative, future-thinking type of culture. Can you just maybe expand on that a bit? Yeah, I think if you look at, you know, you've heard the words, um, the Internet of Everything, the Internet of Things. Yes. And uh, if you listen to Fujitsu, they called it the human-centric society. Okay. So the human-centric technology. So what they mean by that, that uh, the people aspect, apart from content and connectivity and things, which could be computers, laptops, whatever, databases, uh, the most important aspect is people. Okay. Now, the culture is obviously to improve. You know, the, uh, the intelligent society from an education point of view, uh, a medical and as well as agriculture. And that's how they started and still to today. If you look at what they're focusing on is sustainability of the world, which I wish most of us would do. Going absolutely. Forward. Absolutely. And so you find that even till today, th- that, that need or desire to focus on improving society forms a Big part of the industry that the company focuses on. Totally. And, and I know you've mentioned healthcare, agriculture. I mean, that's well-being, that's food, sustainability. Yes. Um, what are the other industries that Fujitsu is, is specifically working in? They're very focused because of their expertise and their clinical way of approaching uh, 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 solutions in the automotive, in the industrial okay. uh, as well, but um, across the board. In industries. Okay. They've been very successful. If you think about Toyota, if you think about Volkswagen and so on, they're very successful in those environments. Okay. From day one. And there's a very close alliance between those companies. Okay. But of late, I've been very excited about some of the medical, uh, solutions, the yes. healthcare, but we'll talk we'll about talk that. We'll talk about that, that, yes. that later. They've got 162,000 employees, by the way. So it's a large organization. At, all over uh, the world. All over the world in a hundred countries. Yes. Okay. It's very interesting that such a large company and not many people, I mean, we might have, we might know about it from seeing laptops and maybe other gadgets, but it's not yeah. a very well known brand. You know, it's not. So if you think about, you know, when I started two years ago in Fujitsu, yes, I had to convince people we don't sell photographic type of, you know, cameras, ca- cameras yes. or bags. Yes. So or, that's where we know the brand from. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. and then, you know, it, it came from then. You've got Fuji film, and then there was a connotation. Uh. So it took a while, but it was a nice journey in the last two years to actually uh, um, put forward what Fujitsu is all about. Now, you must remember the Japanese culture is one of not promoting marketing. Okay. They rather take the money into R&D. Okay. And only some money. They don't really publish a lot of stuff from a marketing point of view. And, and why is that? They believe the product should speak for itself. It's or? about proudness. They, they, it, it's a culture thing that came from Japan. It's okay. rapidly changing if you see how we move into to, to the States as well okay. and how it's exploding in Europe, okay. as well as in South Africa, although very small compared to the rest. Uh, the last two uh, two years, both from a revenue point of view and from an ev- awareness point of view, it's been a significant, beautiful story because, you know, we've got the backing. Hmm. It's just getting it out there in the marketing through uh, different medias, like this morning. You know, it's it's one of the me- – and we've never done this before. Okay. So yeah. this is new. 
This is new. Oh, great. It's new for me. As I said to you, I'm so nervous. I put on a new suit for the listeners. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and, and I know you said um, when you first took up the job, you gave yourself eight months um, to really settle in. It's, it's been two years now. Um, some of the things that you've been looking to, I guess, improve or change around the organization, how's that going? I think it's going very well because of the people. You know, inherently people are good. Uh, so when we started the organization, obviously you need a strategy, but you need to people that passionately believe it. Yes. And co-creation and collaboration is very important in a company. They've got to believe. And behavior creation is the next be, uh, 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 very important thing. Yes. So I think over the two years we've uh, managed uh, to turn around a company with, a, with staff, new faces as well, and new thinking because diversity is so important. And if I can tell you currently where I sit, I know that the people are driving the strategy because it's not mine, it's theirs. Yes. So we had to do that over the uh, the, the last two years. But um, the key significant uh, uh, test for me, whether it was successful, is clients valuing the engagement, you know, the uh, the thought dealerships sharing between Fidgets and some of the yes. blue, chip, blue chip companies out there. So uh, we, we're not arrogant. Please, we're very positive about the change, and as long as it's a, a manageable change and growth taking place, we'll be happy about it. Absolutely, and then I mean, given that now, obviously, your focus is on on South Africa. Is it brought into Africa or specifically South uh, Africa? You know, English speaking Africa as well. English speaking Africa. Yeah, with well. some of our partners, which is uh, um, both Fujitsu and um, and from a NETA point of view. Okay, and so the the R and D that that you guys are investing in annually. I mean, how much of that is focused specifically on the continent? Is there work happening to? bring solutions and innovation out of South Africa and Africa? Definitely. Um, so if you think about what we've done, and I could say T-Systems because you're sponsoring this, we've, we've co-created in South Africa something that's niche in getting to the unconnected workforce out there. Okay. How do we bring digital content to people that doesn't even have a phone? let alone a smartphone. Yeah. And there's millions of them in the country. So I'm very excited about how we co-created a solution okay, that we can take to the market. And, and hopefully in the, in the near future, in the next 12 months, we'll reap the benefits of that. Yes. So there's R&D taking place locally. Okay. But a lot of the R&D that's created worldwide will definitely be in the next 12, 18 months. I see. So globally for the organization. So the, yes. Okay. But, but we'll use it, but in a prioritized manner. So we'll focus on education, healthcare, and like I say, the unconnected workforce. And then specifically rail mm-hmm. and transportation as well because of our airline industry engagement. Okay. And maybe let's, let's talk a little bit about, I mean, the things that you're working on um, here in South Africa. You mentioned uh, the palm vein, which I, I got quite excited about. Yes. Um, and can you maybe just um, try to describe how this differs from, a, you know, what we used to is either typing in our password or yeah. in some cases it's biometric, which is the thumb or the finger. That's right. Um, yeah. but, but you are scanning veins. Yeah, so you get face, facial recognition, iris, iris uh, recognition, okay. uh, and voice recognition, and so on. But okay. it, if you look from a fault ratio, um, um, so uh, whether the product is really working on, uh, on 
in a gardener type of quadrant top level, the palm vein is far superior. So it's 400 times more accurate. And How many times? 400 times. 400 times. Yes. Okay. Now, the palm vein doesn't read your palm itself. You don't have to touch uh, the device. It reads the veins within the palm. And do you know that from a baby, when a baby is born, till you whatever age, yes. the vein stays the same in your hand. And so it's, it's, it's a phenomenal development. And it was created by Fujitsu a few years ago. And um, the back end, the brain of that is so significant that nobody else could replicate it up until now. Wow. Now, the use of that is significant, you know, just from a cost saving and just on your laptop. The password reset, you know, yes. uh, the productivity you lose. Yeah, I mean, I change my password probably every two weeks. It's frustrating as well. Yes, I yeah. must as well because I forget it. Now, yeah. And then uh, both from um, if you take a, ba- a, um, a baby being scanned when they were small in okay. the hospital the day they're born. Yes. Taking them through their whole life cycle in the world, even authentication on ATMs, which is in production. Uh, uh, authentication on ticketing systems on rail in Europe. So it's a phenomenal technology, and uh, we'll bring some of them through in the next uh, 12 months, like access control, time and attendance, SAP authentication. So, but this is live working. I mean, you've, you've got it working on your laptop yes, right now. Yes, that's okay. right. That's so the only we'll, way why I could log, uh, log, log on, on. So this we'll, morning. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll post a, a brief clip um, on our after, social media yes. after the show just to show how it works. But I mean, I want to just delve on this a little bit. So fundamentally, it is analyzing the veins in the body. So if there was, so if I was deceased and somebody wanted to use my hand. No, it won't work. And why won't it work? Because it needs to be active. There needs to be blood in the veins. Okay, so it picks up that there's blood in the veins as well. Exactly, yes. Of that small scanner on your laptop. Yeah, and you, could, and you saw it. It's a split second and it picks it up. So it's, that's why I'm saying it's a pet subject of mine because yes. it's such a it's disruptive technology. Yes. Yet the difference it can make, okay, out there, both from a security point of view, from a cost saving point of view, um, it, it's it's a phenomenal technology, and we haven't driven it hard enough in South Africa. But as I said, we're busy driving it. Okay, so there'll be aggressive push. So we'll see a lot more of this technology becoming more mainstream. Most definitely. Into, I guess, in the consumer space as well. I mean, there's consumer space. Well. Yes, con- yes, most definitely. Okay, and you mentioned um, some innovation in the healthcare space. Um, yeah. So I mean, I know about the babies when they're born; they would obviously be scanned in the hospital. Yeah. Um, what else is happening there? So if you look at the medical, there's a specific hospital in Belgium. Okay. And, and I'll try and put it in layman's terms. Okay. Because um, it works around census and patents and algorithms where um, there's a war room. If I can describe a war room, okay. it's nurses and doctors sitting in a room where there's massive screens okay. looking at five, six, seven hundred pa- pa- patients, which has got these tags on them. It's a little plaster that detects whether they're sweating, whether the pulse goes up. Wow. Whether they're moving, so it's motion control, it's vitals control, it, it it takes all of that and then forms an opinion, okay, sends it back to that war room. So okay. imagine that you don't have to have poor nurses running around in shifts of sixteen, seventeen uh, hours, and you get all that data of every uh, um, patient in the hospital, even location tracking. 
where they are, like, where, where they are. You know, if they if, if they move around in the ward, going wherever, uh, the location tracking is on as well. Okay. So I just think, apart from analysing the health of the patient, okay, just uh, the accuracy um, of the data, because you know you can get a nurse going and asking a person a question, and what they get back is not good enough or substantial enough for them to make a a call yes. on what to do next. Yes. So for that for me is 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 something I'm really excited about. And it will be one of the technologies we'll be bringing through to South Africa. And that is currently live you said in Belgium. In Belgium funny. I can't mention the hospital's name but yes. Okay. Wow. It is wow. It is wow, yeah. <laughs> I mean you know the question that always comes to mind and, and I guess you know the two need to coexist is that you know, that it doesn't take away the human um, kind of connection because, you know, when you're ill, what you want most is, I guess, a hug, oh, <laughs> if I can course. put it like that. So yes. um, uh, it's a bit of a philosophical question because obviously the, t- the technology aids in providing better health care to that person. Yeah. Um, but, you know, one would think that, you know, that human connection still stays relevant. It's crucial, but now you can focus more on the human interaction as Without to worrying to run to the next patient. I see. And, I see. and, and worried what's happening down the ward. So you can spend more time. And that is very, it's a key thing. And, and thank you for mentioning it. So what we also have done is in a certain hospital, they've got these cameras. You know, when babies are in ICU. Yes. And the parents can't see them. And yes. they go home and they worry how the, they've got uh, obviously security protected, uh, uh, um, cameras on the, on the babies. See when they're being fed by the nurses and they interact with that uh, at home and they can see what's happening with the babies. So that linked uh, from a confidence level that your children are fine in the ward. I'm just talking about babies now. Yes. yes. It's made a significant uh, difference in how um, parents are experiencing their child's, their children they need to leave behind in a hospital. And you know, we've got the technology. Okay. Um, you've got the content, you've got the technology. It's just putting those things together. To tie it all together. To, f- to get a solution. And I've read that an increase of a, from a positive awareness, a, a feeling from parents increased to 98%. Just by being able to see the baby. See your children. See they're being fed. See they're okay. See they're okay. And even uh, uh, what they also do, they see how nurses work with the children that's got specific issues. And they learn from that. So when they take the kids home, They've seen it a few times, and for them to apply it at home helps them. Wow. So, you know, those kind of things is, is for me, I, I, I truly believe we need to improve the society and the people and how people, you know, from day to day, uh, apart from sustainability. Yes. And that for me is wild type of projects. Now, linking to that, because you mentioned that haptic sensory tablet. Oh, yeah. And I'm kind of now yeah. also crafting a solution in my head around the babies. Can you maybe just share a little bit about the sensory tablet and how it works and, and some of the applications yeah. around it? Yeah. Just let me say beforehand that the haptic can't be sold yet. Yes, okay. no, no. Yeah. So it's an R&D phase. So, for instance, if you put a crocodile skin on the screen on your laptop and you put your hand on it, well, it's a tablet, yes. you can feel the crocodile. It's as if you're feeling a, you know, a crocodile in the wild. Yes. If, if you even put it onto an animal like a horse, you feel the horse and you feel the hair. You can feel the hairs. Yes. Even if you've put a, a string, a guitar string, you can feel this in, you can play it 
okay, by feeling it onto this on on your screen of your tablet. So it's a phenomenal. We bring it out here every uh, every year, okay, just to showcase. But it shows you what you can do. Think if we can get that into a production environment. You know, obviously you need to lower the cost. Yes. Think about children in education. They can experience okay. these things. Experience. Like, even if it's more affordable, I guess, as well. Yes. Than having, yes. So currently affordability is unfortunately very high, but it's there. Mm. So, you know, you know how the speed of technology evolves. Yes. So we can't wait for that day. And people are amazed when they feel a crocodile skin. And once again, I want to just confirm. So this is, I mean, there's a prototype um, that's been developed. Yes, and we bring it and you through. Bring, and you, you bring it through to South Africa. So it's something that at some stage um, we, we can maybe play with. We can. Yeah. We can. The World Tour is coming up the end of August. So let's see if we can plan around that date. Fantastic. Fantastic. And then let's talk about wearable devices. I mean, while we're on a roll around, you know, some new yeah. innovations. So. Glove style and wearable devices. Where, where's that space going? I mean, if I look at, uh, you know, the consumer space now, everybody's got a Fitbit or a Garmin device or an Apple Watch or Samsung, whatever their, their brand preferences. Yeah. Um, and, and I know that that space is rapidly developing, but, you know, Google came out with the Google Lens, I think it was called. Yes. And, and that didn't really take off, but I don't think that's the end of wearables beyond just the wrist. I think it's probably a space that's only going to grow. Yeah. Um, what What are your views on that, and what's happening in the Fujitsu world? There? So, if you think about um, the glove and the sensors around the glove, glove style wearable device that we have, um, it's 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 connected with near near field communication with with, with near reader. field. Yeah. Okay. With a reader, com- uh, reader combined with gesture input and functionality. So, let's say I'm manufacturing something in a plant. Okay. The moment my hand, the sensor goes after I've done. Task A to task D, a reminder will come up and saying, hey, huh, there's something wrong. Okay, go back to task B. Oh, you missed a step or something. It, you like missed that. a step and you will be guided around it. Even if you then have a preset of steps to go and fix a specific problem, when the engineer will go through there, it will be guided with a hand sensors going, press this, then, then take out this. Uh, insert this so it's a it's a guidance module as well um which i think is phenomenal for you know if if, how many faults can you start being created um and then obviously it's a training a a training tool as well for people okay but censorship is is a a sensors are not censorship like (laughs) censorship but sensors on 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 on, and tags on, on on bodies on devices is a key enabler going forward in the disruption technologies coming down the line. As we said, it's people, but definitely algorithms coupled to these sensors. Um, and we're very excited about that. Um, and and uh, um, now that I want to maybe move away a little bit from the tech and just talk about, I guess, disruption um, more broadly, Um you know, reading one of the reports um, on the co-creation of the age of disruption. And, uh, I mean, in essence, what Fujitsu was saying there is that, you know, disruption is no longer um, an impending concern, but it's the new normal. You know, it's it's kind of, yeah. it needs to be part and parcel of what we do. Can you share kind of the thinking around that? So if you think about one of the big surveys that was done, uh-huh. it was astonishing to get 78% and a high-level percentage of people saying, We've got to change. Yes. Number one. Yes. 
Okay. 23% of them, what I like, said the change needs to happen at the consumer, client, sustainability, saving the world space. I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. It's, it's yes. a key thing for me. But 78% said, yes, we must change. Now, the adoption of the change is a problem. As we all know, change is a difficult thing. Yes. And, um, even myself in the beginning struggled with how do we, how do we change so rapidly, so quickly? Do we take what we have that's revenue generating, mm-hmm. that's running well, it's making a difference? Yes. Shatter down and start new. And that wasn't the answer. And I was battling with that. So one of the key things is to take what you have, let it run, but get new thinking and new thought leadership on smaller type of initiatives that you know, will gain you the transition yes. to become where you want to be. Uh. It was a big thing for me to listen to somebody in Europe saying, take it as if you've got this big oil tanker which generates business for you. Okay, It's fine. It's manned. It's running well. It might die over 10 years, 7 years, 5 years, doesn't matter what, when. Get some of these smaller boats out there, which is called disruption technologies. I see. And then get new thinking around them because you cannot use the same people to run the old and to think about the new. You need to divorce it in a way. Okay, You can circulate the people, but the point is don't kill your business thinking you must close the doors tomorrow and come up with something new. I can tell you right now, there's a lot of CEOs and senior leaders that are probably nodding their heads and saying that's exactly what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. But then I want to ask the question. Um, I mean, Fujitsu is a Japanese company, and and a lot of people who would have studied studied industrial engineering or project management, uh, you know, operations would have heard of the Kaizen philosophy, yeah. which fundamentally speaks to um, you know managing an orderly environment, doing things. In incremental portions, um, keeping it clean and neat. And mm-hmm. so it really, in my mind, it assumes a very organized, clinical, predictable, clinical and yeah. I guess predictable outcome to the inputs yeah. that you put in. But, mm-hmm. but what we find in, uh, in a disruptive world is that the change is exponential. Yes. And so possibly, um, all of the order and processes that I've put in place, might not be relevant in the next iteration of that task or, or that or that project or whatever it is. Yes. How do you respond to that and its relevance um, in in kind of the environment that we operate in today? Now, if you think about um, the Kaizen, it's it's been utilized in South Africa as well. Like the Kaizen is, like you said, started off in this clinical environment. Yes. Um, a small example, if Toyota would allow me to say it, is that. What they currently do is if they're on the production line, something goes wrong. They halt. Okay. They call the whole floor. They talk about it. They make a decision. They go back, they implement, and they go ahead. The key for Kaizen going forward is now that you um, you run it. The moment there's an issue, you have co-creation. You've got collaboration. Okay. You make the change and you go on. One of the big things, because of the disruption taking place so quickly, you can't go and sit and plan in a, in, in a room for three, four, five hours. It's not possible. You need to do it on the fly. But you also need to trust the people. Yes. And not trust one person. Trust a combination of people that together can come up with a quick solution, then implement it, and then live it. You know, living living the whole process, the whole business process is so key. Yes. Than rather sitting for hours drafting, you know. The, the perfect solution. The perfect solution. It'll yeah. never work. You can draft the perfect solution 
and never live it and um, rather dr- rather take a 50% accurate solution if it could be defined and live it but to have that rapid change and that's the Kaizen method as well live it okay fix it implement it but rapidly but on the floor on the fly I see and yeah and so, that speaks to the agility that um, I guess you know in many cases is advocated for in, in a disruptive world that you need to be agile you need to move very quickly so I think they're very much intertwined still Yes, very much so. And, but because of the speed and because of the, I think we're not, we don't, we're not ready. We talk about the waves of technology from the internet through IoT, through artificial intelligence and robotics. Yes. And you ask somebody, okay, where are we? You can't really ask a question like that. It's, it's vague where you are. It's for some people totally new. And for some people, you know, they've been in it for, let's say, eight, six, seven months or so uh, in Japan, in Europe. And you've got to understand that if it's going to be a serial type of planning, implementation, go back to the drawing board, you're not going to make it. It's too quick. It's going to be too, yeah, it's going to be too late by the time you're yes. done with it. But one thing of that that I value a lot is that it's not one person going away and coming up with a strategy or the solution. Mm. It's co-creation, it's collaboration, it's it's con- decision making with consensus, um, and that is the occasion, occasion way yes, of yes. really get to getting to solutions. How many times have you sat in a meeting? You've got four key people, and one person had nothing to do but just arrived, and then and and the input that was the most valuable was that yeah. came from that person. Yes, so that's what Kaizen is all about. Now the question would be: How would a a leader find the right balance in that environment because, you know, I mean, we discuss it now and it, and it's, and it's quite clear to me and it makes a lot of sense. Uh, but, but in a real world scenario, I mean, you're faced with so many things coming at you and so many decisions to make and finding that right balance between, I guess, pleasing your shareholders, which means making sure that you're still um, yes. milking that uh, oil rig, <laughs> as it were. That is true. But, but then also creating a future for them and all your other stakeholders. Um, I mean, how do you advise we, we try to find that balance? Given that, I mean, you sell technology as well, so you're always kind yes. of trying to bring the new but maintaining what's there. Of course. Yeah. So so I think uh, maybe from a Fujitsu, if you look at the R&D spend that Fujitsu does, I mean, $2.9 billion is is a lot of money yes. per annum. Yes. So uh, from a culture point of view, they're happy to understand that you need to invest for the future. Okay. Um, and I think companies need to get to that point. Otherwise, your shareholders are going to have a problem with you. Yeah. We all have revenue targets. We all have GP targets. And it's always going to be there. You know, yeah. you've, you, you've got to have money to be able to make money. And Into to the be, future, yeah. And also, the fact that that big oil rig is making money, to, if your shareholders are happy to take 6, 7, 8% of that over to R&D or new initiatives, then you're fine. But I think if you look at the respondents on, 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 on that survey, 78% is saying, yes, we've got to change. So I think companies won't find it that difficult. And hopefully shareholders will buy into uh, um, this disruptive aids coming down the line. Next. Yes. Because it's not just changing uh, your business. It's making it relevant again. Hmm. You know, whereas before, years before, you had to change your business. Now... You need to ask yourself, will am I, I be am I even relevant? Relevant. And yeah. that is significant. 
But I think uh, hopefully the boards uh, of the companies will realize that as well, which I, do, uh, I believe they do. Are, are you seeing that on the ground? I mean, I know you spend a lot of time with customers. Um, you don't sit in the ivory towers and, no. and wait. So what, what, are you, what are you seeing? Because I'm assuming you are proposing, in some cases, very new bleeding-edge type of um, solutions. Yes. Um, what is the response to that? What, what is the sense that you get? I like that you mentioned that because one of the, if you want to be successful going forward, you must remember there's something like co-creation, consultative selling, okay. a journey with your client. If the client can see that you're not going to just drop a solution, whether it be hardware or a solution or run away, yes. but you're co-creating with me and you understand my business, where the business analyst feels becoming very important. Yes. Um, then, then it's very, and then they do the buying, uh, you know, they're happy to do it with you because you will burn investment, but they will also burn investment and one out of the three will fail. But if that integrity and belief, you know, that you're trying to be a trusted advisor in a journey with the client, okay. they buy immediately. We've seen it. In the last two years, that's how we've grown, being in front of the client, committed. Uh, um, as you said, spend time with clients. Yes. Uh, be in their face. Always go back. Always respond. Um, that's the only way to do it. And that's why the people aspect is so important going forward. Doesn't matter what we call the technology change. Doesn't matter what the world is becoming. Yes. People, trust, integrity, co-creation and collaboration is, is definitely a key. Okay. So, I mean, those are the fundamentals, right? It hasn't yes. changed much. But I think it's probably even yeah. more important now. Yes. But you see, this is, and, and this, the, this is so interesting to me always that it's not now something new, but you think we've done it? No. No. We haven't. No, we haven't done it. We've taken it for granted to do an invoice, you know, and get a payment. Yeah. And, 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 and that's got to stop. Because you've got to be in front of them. They're just as nervous as you are. There's a lot of fear. I mean, There's people a don't lot know what of all these things fear, mean, right? So why don't you with them carry the fear? And you bring some of the phenomenal development in, in Japan and commitment. And we see it coming through to South Africa, which, which is a, a heartwarming for us in South Africa, seeing yes. how much money is being pushed from Europe and Japan to, to myself and the team saying, go and develop. Go and create. Get to your clients. Yes. You know, spend spend money on that co-creation, uh, which is which is good. I think it's yeah. good for all South Africans. Absolutely. Yeah. And and talk to me a little bit about um, you know you mentioned earlier you know um, connecting the unconnected and I mean that's a topic that that I speak on as well mm. um, quite regularly and I mean we're seeing definitely in terms of the the the. the the broader numbers that the adoption of connectivity, that the growth of connectivity mm. is certainly on the right trajectory. Mm-hmm. But there's still people that to a certain extent are being left behind, aren't they? Oh, that is so true. I think I, I can't give you the number, but I'm sure it's a few million people in South Africa okay. that does not have the digital content in front of them. Okay. We have the content. We are now have the connectivity, as you're saying. Yes. But where do they get to this content? And it could be HR-related content. It could be from a learning, educational point of view. So this is specifically in corporates, for example, or in in large organizations? Large organizations. Let's take a mining uh, uh, environment where there's, let's say, 50,000 workers. 
Okay, all of them, his children, they've got to pay school fees. They've got to go on the internet and pay their municipal account, whatever. Okay. Apart from having access to the organization's own intranet to understand what's going on, what's going, is there a public holiday coming, yes or no? Okay. You know, communication from, from, from the company. That person needs to take five taxis, three buses, go and stand in front of a municipal building, okay? Then, Send away, come back next week. Productivity loss, money loss for the individual. Yes. And they're not the big earners in the country. No. Now, if you just put down a simple device, and I don't want to give the device away because then we lose, lose our <laughs> edge on this, where they just go and for five minutes they do whatever they need to do. Touch screen, palm vein authenticated. Don't have remember passwords, whatever. Mm. There shouldn't be a fear to use it. And the outcome of that in their lives isn't that where we want to take uh, our technology? Absolutely. Okay, and corporates buy into that, which I love, especially from a human resource point of view. They buy in that we want to get that benefit down to the people on the ground. Okay. So that going for the unconnected workforce, it's definitely one of the key drivers between, for instance, in this case, where yes. the idea came from, I must say it, otherwise I get the uh, trouble, uh, from T-Systems co-creating with Fujitsu. The solution. So, I mean, if I read into what you're saying, it's that there's also a responsibility for leaders within corporates to make sure that nobody gets left behind. Because it's easy sometimes to forget, and not deliberately. You just assume, right? You assume because you read the stats, you read the reports, you assume everyone's got connectivity and everyone is kind yeah. of sorted in that regard. But I think what you're saying that there's a level of awareness required, a consciousness around making sure um, that. That we're not leaving any of the uh, of our workforce and of our people behind because that might not bode well for the organisation in the future. Actually, totally true. I think the one is the social responsibility. The the next thing is just being a good human being. Yes. The third one, you'll get benefits from it in the sense of productivity, of commitment. Although that shouldn't be the real driver. The yes. real driver is just out of respect and humanity. You know, uh, look after the people. Um, that's unconnected in this specific instance. Okay. And talk to me now, um, you know, within the industry, the ICT industry, what are you, you know, uh, I spend a lot of customers, a lot of time with customers as well, and very often you will get this type of response like, this is just another thing that the industry is creating to make us buy. You know, yes. um, you know when when cloud computing came out, a lot of things was it's just another thing that you guys. Yes. But uh, but what we're seeing more and more that it's actually not like that, and I think customers are starting to realize, aren't they, that these are not weird and wonderful things that are being conjured up. That these things are rapidly going to become part and parcel of of life and how. Yes. What's your take on that? My, t you know, if I s I sat in front of a very senior group CIO okay. a while back. Yes. And I had to show her something on my laptop. And I opened my laptop and I went with my hand and authenticated within a split second. Okay. And she looked at it and she said, you can't believe it. you'll have to do it again. <laughs> so I did it seven times. The point I'm trying to make, it's relevant, it's working. There's business cases, most probably on Palmer 60, 70 case studies, studies worldwide across industry. Um, that, you know, it's, it's relevant, it's working, and there's, there's cases for it. Yes, there's a lot of stuff we're going to discuss, like the haptic tablet, that's going to be something of the future. Yes. And uh, we've got to understand that. And, but there's, there's definitely certain stuff that can make a significant 
difference now, okay, in their lives. And they've got to believe that. And the only way they believe it, it's the whole thing about the oil tanker. Yes. Spend some money on these three, four, five. We'll help you fund it. We'll help you work with it. What is it? What the, what's the business outcome you want? As long as it's aligned with the, the consumer. Yes. You know, the, the, the end client. Yes. Um, creating a better society out there for South Africa, because that's really what we're doing. If all companies are making money, they've got good products. Okay, in the end, you'll have a large crowd of people that is happy, salary earnings, yes. uh, uh, um, whatever, and, 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 and that will bring us to a better South Africa in the end. Yes, and do you not now then need different, not, not different, but a, I guess a, a different set of skills in the people that, that work within your organization, that work within your partner organization? Yes. Um, is there not a, a reskilling, a relearning that comes into play there? It comes from the heart. So I think if you look at Fujitsu for the last two years, we did made a, I made a lot of changes because sometimes people are in positions they can't perform, not because they don't want to. Okay. They can't articulate the chains. So you need to move them around. The old story of the big ship and the smaller ships get different people's different thinking. Yes. Um, they need to be able to see the end goal. So you'll tend to find the disruption phase coming down the line. You need to get business analysts and especially younger people thinking. You know, when you get older, we get into this groove. <laughs> and we, we struggle to think out of it. Yes. You need to have that younger generation thinking differently. Okay, and saying, but why haven't you done this? You know, my youngest son at home always tells me every week he's got an invention. Yes. Now, I never told my dad in my lifetime I've got an invention. So can, can you see the shift? People are thinking about inventions. Yes. What can we do differently? Yes. And that's the type of people you need. But uh, it's the balance between outcome base, creating revenue, and, you know, spending that R&D money on new thinking going forward. But you've got to change the landscape. Explain, you, explain that. Um, if you look at a company, um, a culture of a company comes from co-creation, sense of belonging, behavior creation. So as a leader, you need them all to think, okay, that this is a vehicle that we need to change. This is where we need to go to, okay? This is what we keep intact. I want to do this. My heart tells me that. And then you, the behavior creation is there. The next flow out of that is a culture. Okay. It's a culture which you don't have to go down and say, hey, why haven't you done point one, two, and three, and four? They'll come tell you what is point one, two, three, and four. Okay. Um, it's the old scenario of that if, if, if I leave Fujitsu today for five months, they will run as a wallet walled machine. Maybe they'll do better. <laughs> the, the thing is, they've been empowered. There's co-creation. There's discussion. There's excitement. There's a sense of belonging. Yes. And um, uh, we cry together when we lose. We when we win, we're happy together, and and they just love it. And you've got to create that with diversity if you think you're going to progress going forward. It goes top down. It's it, it's gone. It's gone. No. It's bottom up. Okay, so which is perfect that you, you touch on that because I want to just explore you for a second, Hannes. You, wh what's your background? So what did you study? Um, you, you're sighing because it's long. 
<laughs> no, I'm sighing because I joined because I wanted money in the beginning of my life. <laughs> and I went, I'm going to give my age away in Fox, guys. Oh, I can, that's pre-absa. Pre-absa, the, yes. before the amalgamation. Yes. So I can remember running around with a basket from the cashiers to the top uh, with all the transactions. And the, uh, that's where my main purpose, the second one was to buy beer on Fridays because I was the youngest. Uh. I think out of that, the growth pass was... I, I, I like IT, but I'm like the human side more. Okay. When I started the PMO office. Okay, project management office. Project management office. Okay. That was, was probably the biggest learning curve of how do you get a group of people that's diverse implementing a v- very difficult solution, integrated solution, without having high and firepower over them. You need to learn with the people. You need to know how to make them um, um, excited, understand their facial expressions. Yes. Are they happy? Aren't they happy? Yes. So that learning curve, I hated in the beginning, but with hindsight, it was the best, best learning curve in my life to start a PM office. We were and that was still within Foscas? That time. was still Foscas and then in Absa Barclays as well. Yes. Um, it was a phenomenal uh, time frame, growing from two to 180 people in a in a PMO office over 12 months. Wow. A rapid growth. All right. In dot-com age. Yes. Now people know how old I am. Um, and then after that, very fortunate to run businesses. Okay. P&L wise, end to end. Again, get people, believe in where we're going, and, and, and buy in where we're going. So when you walk away, you've created behavior, okay, that will give you the outcome and the results rather than you telling them what must be the outcome and for them to start believing the outcome. So I've been very fortunate with that through my career that I've been given businesses okay. um, to run, um, as I said, full P&L. And with a wonderful group of people, it's always, people are always good. Always at the core. You need to just be able to, and it's not always perfect. You make mistakes, but you need to see how can you get the best out of people. Your, link, your LinkedIn profile says, um, and I, I'm going to assume these are your words, it says you're a competent strategist capable of developing innovative plans and activities designed to facilitate competitive growth and superiority. Um, a competent strategist, um, and, and I'm kind of picking that up, that you know, a lot of what your strategies uh, are honed around is the people aspect. Very much so. I paid a lot of money for a person to write that stuff, oh, by the way. <laughs> I, I can't write that good English. Um, I think it's always people. It's, 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 it's always people. You can't run, how they call a dictatorship or the old. It's, it's, it's not a military environment. It's a place, apart from the fact you want them to do it because they want to do it. But different now, you want him to think differently yes. than the way they thought before. But for that, you need to, to, to for them to feel that they're busy co-creating and what they say gets listened to. Okay, And they feel they're creating the company and they're excited about where it's going. And, and, and that's a shift that has taken place and that needs to take place more. Um, the successes of the past was the people. It's without a doubt the people. Um, even in the Kojima days, I think the the group um, a thousand three hundred people. Yes. And in the end, with the team, the team managed to get everybody 
to buy into the strategy, where we're going, and to do co-creation. And, so, I, th- and I think in a disruptive environment, when you've got the people believing in themselves to, to deliver their results, then you can move them into any new yes. or future reality. Or, or, they'll, or I guess they'll move themselves in that direction. Yes. You know, working is about self-esteem, confidence. Do I make a difference? Okay. Do people listen to me? Um, do I get empowered? Yes. And, and, and you need to, you still need to manage without a doubt. I'm yeah. not saying it's, 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 it's a chaotic, you put them in a room and everything happens. <laughs> yeah. But you get so much more out of them. Okay. If they believe the story I've just told you. And, 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 and we've seen it in, in, in Fujitsu in the last few years. I've got people working across their responsibility areas. Uh, we always use the example When last did you say to your colleague next door Are you fine? Can I help you with something? Yeah, good point Alright, and um, if, if you create that culture That it's not just you doing task number A, B and C You're in it because that's just a component Of a bigger span of a business process That you tap into Yes, and I saw it And I see it in the last few weeks You know, I've got people in finance uh, uh, try helping business business results, and I see legal in getting involved in business outcomes, um, and that for me is 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 wonderful because that tells you that we're becoming a family, and, yeah. that, and that's what Japanese culture is all about. Absolutely, yeah, that fundamentals, the core. Yes, um, you mentioned the core of the business um, just before we started the show. Uh, what were you alluding to? The core of the business um, around the cu- the culture, the Japanese culture, the, culture, the uh, Japanese philosophy, and, and well, the and Japanese philosophy was one of of of, of obviously um, the person, uh, the, the the human side is number one. Okay, okay, and then co-creation as a family. Okay, looking after each other. Okay, protecting each other. All right, the old story, the, the thing I've just told you about looking next door, saying, "Can I help you?" Yes. Uh, when you ask somebody in the morning, good morning, how are you? Wait for the response. Don't keep on walking. <laughs> you know, we have that thing in South Africa. Yeah. So the, the Japanese culture is one of a family. We work together. Okay, we co-create together. And our decision-making is a collaborative one. And you can see it more and more. I, I, I remember yesterday we had a task to do, and I said, okay, but I want seven people to go and help this one, help uh, the marketing person. And the hands went up. And they're all busy. Can I promise you, everybody is working very hard. And seven people said, we'll go and help him. Sure. Now, that's an example for me for buy-in into wanting to make a difference. Yes, yes. And you've got to, you know, it's, it's, and, and I'm not saying we've perfected it. You've got to be aware of it the whole time and remind yourself. And me, myself, I need to remind myself. That's the vehicle we have because you can fall in the trap going backwards uh, yeah. very quickly. And the reality is that it's not too distant from South African and African culture, actually, at its no. core. It, no. It's not too – I mean, bringing it more into the corporate world, I think, is something that, that, that we can possibly work yeah. on. But, but fundamentally, it's not vastly different to, I mean, the principles of Ubuntu and so forth and, 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 yes. and South African and African yes. culture, if you think about it. Yeah. But a, a big word I love to use always is behavior creation. Yeah. You know, if you've created the right behavior, you'll get the outcome. What we tend to do, we park the outcome first in front of the person. And assume the behavior will follow. Oh, so you, it, this is your outcome. This is not my outcome. Yes. But if you do behavior creation before that, 
They'll take your outcome and they'll add two, three others because they're excited about it. Wow. Yeah. Hannes, it's, it's always so fascinating for me um, when I talk to people and we're discussing technology. It always ends up being quite a long conversation about people and where we fit in. I mean, um, we had, you know, briefly spoken about wanting to discuss artificial intelligence and robotics. We didn't even get to that, yes. right? Because yes. The, the importance of people in that context and the role that we play in shaping the world that we want to live in is so yeah. key. It's very key. And we've got so many competent technical people as well. But why are they competent technical people? Because they were allowed to embark on a journey where they can exploit and, and have a look at technologies and go and play with technology and live, you know, themselves out. So it's always about people. I feel mean saying it always. Yeah. As a cop-out in the beginning because I don't ex- understand technology well. But, <laughs> but now I realize it's relevant. <laughs> but it's very relevant. It's just about people. And yeah. it will always stay about people. Even if you go and sell. It's a person on the other side. It's person face to face looking you in the eye and saying, okay, but from you I'll buy. Yes. We'll discuss what you're selling, but I want to buy from you because I trust you. Yeah. Okay. um, we've reached uh, the end of the show, but um, before we we move on, just two questions on your side. Um, The first one being, and I think you've kind of alluded to it, but I'd like you to frame it very briefly for me, but your vision for South Africa and Africa into the future. I think what is key for me is um, if you look at um, sustainability, how is Fujitsu, apart from the core competence, the well tanker yes. and the data center space, which we're very proud of, our solutions and our offerings, yes. what difference are we going to make to society, whether it be education, health care, whatever it's going to be, because yes. those are very, very important aspects. And this is where in the next 18, 12, 24 months, we'll be bringing that R&D type of solutions, okay, and be implementing it. So we don't want to be the number one in South Africa and English-speaking Africa. We want to grow in a sustainable manner, 20% year on year, 25%. Okay. But still at least have that relationship with your client and see the result at the uh, at the end user. Okay, so it's really to see what you have to offer, delivering tangible results across those various industries and regions. Yes, and connected workforce is one of them. I can't wait to bring that through. We can't wait for the PO as well, but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> for the well tanker. But yes. I think the key is just imagine what difference you're going to make in that miner's life. Yes, not having to travel how many miles. To just to pay the child's education in a school. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. Looking forward to that. And disruption, um, you know, the show is called Disrupt, although yes. we discuss many, many topics. How do you define disruption for yourself? Well, disruption, if, if, you know, disruption sounds like a bad word. Yes. But I think, um, disruption for us going forward is uh, we want to disrupt for the good of it. Disrupt for the good of it, and as I said, in the medical field, education, and um, um, the, the healthcare, and so on. So, if we can go and disrupt what's currently in place from from a business process point of view, uh, we'll be so we'll be so happy, and we'll feel successful about it. Yes. So, there's a lot of disruptive technologies um, that will maybe take a lot of businesses out of business. 
and for us is to help those businesses in a prioritized manner. We can't yes. go to everybody yes. and say, how do we help you to stay relevant going forward? Because relevance is key. Relevance is key. I think in the data center, the technology, the hardware, it's a phenomenal company for Jitsu. And we've seen it in the track record of the last 12 months with the growth we had. Yes. But now to bring, bring industry-specific solutions that can make companies more relevant but with the outcome at the, at the end user. Hannes Berger, thank you very much. Um, thank you to our guest, Hannes Berger, the MD of Fujitsu South Africa. To find out more about Fujitsu and some of the, the solutions we've discussed today, um, to find out more about uh, solutions from our sponsors, T-System South Africa, you can go to www.un-outsource.co.za or follow T-Systems on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn. It's at T-Systems SA. Um, thank you very much for joining us today on this show. We've had a wonderful conversation about disruption, about people, and the relevance that people will still play in a, in a technology-driven, disruptive world. Join us next time on Disrupt with Mpumin Tlapo for another very insightful conversation. Thank you. Thank you, everyone.